They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com? Glad to have you with us on this edition of the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. I am Joe O'Donnell, joined by John Mita. This is another one of those cut-the-music-type episodes, Johnny Mita. Uh, I'm disgusted. I'm, I'm angry. I'm annoyed. Frustrated. Embarrassed. I mean, that embarrassed is probably the biggest and most appropriate of all those terms. And let me, let me, let's just lay this out here before we get too far down the line here. This episode will be like no other episode. A couple of reasons. One, John Mead and I have a lot going on in our lives, <laughs> so we couldn't really properly prepare this thing. All right. Part two is, I don't know that the Philadelphia Eagles and the rest of the Philadelphia sports scene right now deserves more than what we plan to give you on this episode of the Brotherly Love Podcast, which is a spitballed unscripted venting session no spread the love no on the fly no bits no segments no music well maybe some music but the rest of it's just going to be anger and venom it's a venom edition and we've had these before and they're kind of therapeutic so let's have at it my friend first of all how the hell are you it's just uh being at that football game on sunday you took the words right out of my mouth embarrassing depressing, frustrating to watch this football team play week in and week out. Uh, so everybody knows we took the week off right before the Dallas game, so we haven't been on in a couple yeah. of weeks. Uh, they had a decent victory. Unfortunately, the bad part of that game was the fact that they lose pretty much their defensive MVP, the team Jordan Hicks, to a season-ending pectoral injury. Um, but just to watch you know, they finally get off to a fast start, and then they just pretty much totally imploded. Totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable from this football team. Yeah, so the we, Eagles... We, as, as, as fans, we deserve a lot better. Yeah. So the, e- the players... No, I was, go finish, please. No, and the players. You know, some of the players on this team, they need a gut check in the mirror. Uh, specifically, one that comes to mind, Miles Austin. That guy should not be on this football team. He is just ridiculous to watch. He has had so many drops. His play in the Miami game, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a receiver play a worse football game than he did. It was just absolutely atrocious. Well said. Eagles are now 4-5 and five after a 20-19 to 19 loss to the freaking Miami Dolphins. Not in Miami but in Philadelphia. Lincoln Financial Field, where you're supposed to have home field advantage, the crowd behind you, you get off to that great start, it looks like it's going to be a route, complete cruise control, and I'm still not even sure how the Eagles lost this football game. But that look, 
That's the NFL, man. That is the NFL. That game right there is the NFL. Because sometimes it's better to have the momentum last. Sometimes it's better to build as the game goes on. I don't know why that is, but it just seems like if you jump out and then there's one game-changing play or two game-changing plays or the opponent makes a stop, it's a different football game. It's amazing what confidence does. Now, granted... The Eagles had opportunities to win that game, even despite giving up all the momentum. They had so many opportunities to put that game away, it's it's nauseating. And I don't even know where to begin, okay? It all started with Caleb Sturges and the missed field goal. Because then you're, you know, you're up three scores, you're on cruise control at the end of the first half. As soon as he missed that game, a goddamn chip shot, 32 yards, less than an extra point in today's NFL, mind you. As soon as that was missed... The Dolphins go down, and they get some momentum. They get some points. Then you have the block punt debacle, and the drops, and the penalties. The penalties that are negating touchdowns now multiple times this season. It is all flat-out unacceptable. And I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's just the players aren't good enough. I don't know what the hell to think. Luckily, the NFL was made up of 16 of these Sundays where you have your highs and your lows and they have a chance for redemption against a Buccaneers team that we all know the Eagles have owed big time for, I don't know, let's say a decade plus, right? I mean, the Eagles could beat the Buccaneers every single time they play them from now until I'm dead and they still haven't made up for 2002 or whatever year that was the last game at the Vet. No doubt about it. You know what I mean? So, you can get the 5-5 five and five this week. You can somehow be atop the crappy NFC East because the Giants have a bye and you have the head-to-head against them. But now, all of a sudden, we're back to hoping the Redskins lose for first-place supremacy. Hoping the Redskins lose and that you can take care of business against the Buccaneers. I mean, it's... I don't know, John Mita. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should, you know, look, they 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 beat a bad Cowboys team. Maybe that should have, and they didn't blow them out. Maybe that should have been all the evidence we needed, that this team was not for real. But you and I got sucked back in. The rest of Philadelphia got sucked back in because first place was on the line. You knew the Giants were going to lose to the Patriots, albeit I thought it would be much more disparaging than it was. But that was the opportunity on Sunday to take control of the division and front run the rest of the way. And they just pooped themselves. Yeah. I mean, they are they are losing in many phases of the game. Like you said, special teams. You, know, you forgot to mention, too, how big was that block on? Yeah. I mean, that basically put Miami. You can't put the onus on the defense in this game. No. Like, did they, did they have their best game? No. But if you look at the ways that this team scored, you know, between, you know, the block punt, they get a garbage touchdown off a pick play, they Pretty much is always called in the NFL, but apparently it wasn't called then. Then he gets the, the, the deflection, oh. miracle touchdown, which will make you throw up as well. You know, that's 14 points right there that probably should never have happened. And, and you're, you're, you're winning this football game. The special team this season, think about it, Joe. Last year, this team had like 11 returns for touchdown. And that's basically from defensive touchdown to to, to punt return touchdowns, to, to block. I mean, they were just on the ball. That's a lot of points right there. That's like 66 points. And special teams has failed this team throughout the entire year. How many missed field goals? If we would have hit a couple, you know, should have, could have, would have done mean whatever. If we could have hit a couple more field goals, there's a couple games that come to mind. You know, they're winnable football games. Yep. It's not like this team 
is losing or getting their doors blown off. It's minor mistakes that keep shooting themselves in the foot. And you adjusted the penalties. Penalties is just every single time we have something good play happen, it's always getting called back on a penalty. And this team is terrible converting third down. Probably the worst in the league. And some of those times we've had, like Eagles have converted some of those first downs, they've been drawn back because somebody committed a stupid penalty. Like Jason Kelsey. I don't know where this guy's mind's at. I don't know where he is. I know he signed an extension in the offseason. He's a very well-paid player. Yeah, he should be giving that money back. He is playing at the lowest level of his career. And honestly, I'm tired of hearing about it, too, from him. Okay? I I, I love an athlete when they own up after one week. But I'm tired of week in, week out, I've got to be better. Well, either get better or beat it. Okay? Exactly. Because he he ain't getting it done, my friend. The penalties alone. Forget the snaps. The penalties. He's been guilty of more holding penalties than any other center in the National Football League. Period. Great point. Great point. That is unacceptable from a pro bowler. Unacceptable. Especially yeah, so, especially when, with borderline players around him. Yeah, and the bad snaps this year. and it, it, it's, He's just played horrendous. And you also, have to look at, you also have to look at Chip Kelly, the general manager here. And, and he's a lot to blame. And we talked about this earlier in the year. The offensive line play for this team in general has been so tragic. Spotty. And it goes back to... It's been spotty. Yeah, yeah it's been spotty. And it goes back to, like we discussed last year on the podcast, I, I kept bringing up you know, the Eagles secondary. The secondary is basically going to be the Achilles heel of this team. Well, right now, it looks like the offensive line is the Achilles heel. They can't get anything together. He didn't draft any offensive linemen for a couple of years now. A joke. He signed two guards to be starters, and they're clearly backups in this league. And, and we're, we're suffering. Everybody's suffering. The quarterback's suffering. And then not to mention, how about let's go with Chip Kelly addressing the wide receiver court, okay? Now, they drafted Nelson Aguilar. He's a rookie. He stinks. He, okay. He's going to – I know you say that. When you come back from high ankle, I'm not making any excuses, but I still don't think he's ready to play. Jamita, he didn't do anything before the high ankle sprain. I get that, but I don't think they're, it's the cliche term, I don't think they're putting him in a good position to be successful. Maybe he's not smart enough. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Because here's the sense I get from our wide receiving core. You ready? Brain dead, dumb, lazy, brain dead, dumb, Lazy. I mean, I don't see anything. I was all, I was beating this drum months and months yeah. ago. Okay, it's well documented, and I'm not trying to say I was right. Look, I hope Josh Huff figures it out. He made that play in the first quarter on Sunday. You know, Bradford rolls out, extends a play. I'm yelling, throw it away, Sam. Throw it away, thinking he's going to throw a pick. Yeah. Who's he find? Great catch by Huff in the back of the end zone, and I loved it. Yeah. But it's too inconsistent. Yeah. Why? Is he not smart enough? Is he not committed enough? Can he not figure it out? Or is he not talented enough? Riley Cooper, yeah. I know he's been hurt. MIA all season long outside of one touchdown, and the ball was underthrown, probably should have been intercepted. Moving along, yeah. Josh Huff, you know, covered him for a moment. I could go back to him yeah. and rip him all freaking day. Your boy Miles yeah. Austin that you brought up. Like the signing at the time. Hey, good fourth, fifth wide receiver. He stinks. Okay. He stinks. I have never seen 
Here's what maybe bothered me most about the tail end of that football game, okay? Did Mark Sanchez not practice last week? Did he not yeah. practice? I mean, can we can the yeah. why do the Philadelphia Eagles for all this fast practice, hard practice, up tempo practice, they practice the most, they get the most reps. Why do they look like the team that's practiced the least on Sunday? Why? Yeah. Explain they that look- to me. Botch snaps, handoffs that aren't proper, receivers that aren't in the right spot. The quarterback's pointing one way, the receiver runs the other way. If you're not in the film room, you should be on the practice field. And if you're not on the damn practice field, get in the film room. I don't understand this. This isn't yeah. Mark Sanchez should be practicing with Miles Austin. They're they're the second and third team guys. They should have better yeah. chemistry than anybody on the football field. Yeah, no doubt about it. And did you it. see the play, the first down play, the last drive? All right, the Eagles, are they've moved the ball near midfield. You're thinking 20 more yards, maybe Sturgis has a prayer, and they sneak this thing out. And on the first play, hurry up to the line of this, you know, the la- they got a first down, whatever it was, so it's not the first play, but it was first and 10, okay? And Austin's all over the map. Sanchez points to his left, like, go to, you know, you're over here, dum-dum, figure it out. Austin lines up. I didn't go back and rewatch the game because I'm too sick to do it. But I'm telling you right now, I saw this and I and I was thinking to myself, what what the hell is going on here? Sanchez literally pointed to the middle of the line of scrimmage, meaning run inside. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's no way in hell the ball's going to Miles Austin. Sanchez is just telling him what's up because Austin can't figure it out on his own. Lo and behold, Sanchez snaps the ball. Austin runs across the field like he's supposed to and doesn't even look at the quarterback. He was wide open. Wide open. And it and, and looks like you know, that play made me sick. Obviously, I was there. Unfortunately, for this podcast, I did rewatch the game. Oh. And that was one of the worst plays I've ever seen a receiver make in the National Football. Yeah. The fact that, listen, you're not a decoy. Everybody is live. They, they always say it. Like, when you go through your progression, if the first read's not open, second read's not open, somebody else. But you've got to at least make it look like you're going to receive the ball at all times yeah. just to keep the defense on the heels. And he was just cool. Ball just wasn't dying. And you're right. He had, if he catches that ball, he's got another 10 to 15 yards to run. Yeah. And they might even be close to the field. Right. And, are the, and are, that, aren't these guys practicing together? Shouldn't Sanchez and Austin be on the same page? Maybe not Bradford and, you know, I don't know, the the, the fifth string, tight, Trey Burton. Maybe they're not on the same page. You know, but, but Sanchez should be on the same page with Aguilar, Austin, you know, Jeff Mail when he was on the team. Name your other scrub loser wide receiver. I don't even know who's on the roster anymore. You know, bring, if, they're, if they're on the roster, they start playing more because they got to be better than the clowns we've been putting out there. I mean, it is unbelievable the lack of focus, the lack of commitment, the lack of execution, and yet here they are, still a game out of first in a terrible division against with a schedule that unfolds pretty nicely outside of Arizona and New England. You know, and and I don't, I'm not scared of Arizona by any stretch of the imagination. This team still has an opportunity. I don't even know if they can get it done. I, I mean, at this point, it should be the eye test, the sample size. Four and five is four and five. But it's so frustrating because there are plays left out on the field. There are yards to be had. There are points to be had. And outside of the first half against Atlanta, week freaking one, the defense has not been culpable at all. Period. 
Absolutely right. And just going back to these receivers, how many guys would you keep on this team moving? Zero. Zero. I'd keep Matthews and Aguilar and the rest of Sorry, I forgot about Here's Matthews. Up. I like him. Yeah. No, I like him. But Jordan's my boy. The, yeah. But outside of that, honest to God, I would have cut Riley Cooper next morning. I would have cut. They were on, I heard a, a tragic set. They were on the field together, Miles Olsen and Riley Cooper. Between the two of them, they took like 98 snaps or 89, and they made zero catches. How many targets, zero. though? They weren't even getting the yeah. ball thrown near them. Exactly. I didn't even know but Cooper. I literally didn't even know Cooper played. That's how invisible yeah. he was. So if he's yeah, not he healthy, yeah. what's he doing? Yeah. Because you know, he, his whole thing was he's a great blocker. Oh, what a great blocker. Well, if you're hurt, yeah. you can't block. Yeah. Right? What's I, the I, last I, thing you're going to yeah. do when you're hurt? It's block. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a playmaker over a blocker any day of the week. And there were a couple guys on the scrap heap, like the New York Giants, you know, Victor Cruz is done for the years. They just re-signed Hakeem Nick. You can't tell me Hakeem Nick is not better than Miles Austin and Riley Cooper at this point. And listen, I'll take the kid that they should have put on the practice squad. Yeah. Rasheed Bailey from the third, whatever. He led your team in reception during the preseason. He's got to be better. I mean, it's just a joke. The only positive thing that I saw from this offense on Sunday is the fact that the tight ends finally got more involved. Yep. If your receivers suck ass, which they do, okay, then get the tight ends involved. And Ertz was involved, and Selleck had an unbelievable game. He set the tone early. That was nice to see. Other than that, everything else was tragic. And let's go to Chip Kelly, the play calling. Right? Yeah, please Mark do. Sanchez ended up throwing that interception. Right? Sanchez gets mobile. He throws that nice little floater pass, you know, the wheel route down the sideline. To, to DeMarco Murray first down. Why not run the ball? All you need is a field goal, okay? A field goal to take the lead in this football game. Your defense has been linked out in the second half. Yep. Just put it in their hands, and if, if they can't get it done, so be it. But the fact that a guy that you know, Sanchez, his history, and you know, turning the ball over in key moments, why would you put him in that spot? And I did rewatch that play. Okay, he did have a check down to Selleck. So I probably wouldn't have gotten the end zone, but he probably would have got the like the three, two yard line. But to, just to not run the ball there again over and over and over when all you need is three points, you gotta blame the coach for that. That was absolutely terrible. And take some time off the clock. Yeah. Take run it time three times, ninety seconds comes off the clock. If you haven't gotten a first down or in the end zone, guess what? You line up, you kick the chip shot. If homeboy misses it, you execute him publicly outside of Lincoln Financial Field. Hell, the 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 fans will do it for you. You don't even have to be culpable, Chip Kelly. It's not even premeditated. You just let the bus leave without him or don't let him get in his car. The fans will take care of the rest. Yeah. It was just it's just sad, man. It's just so depressing to watch. And, and you brought up a great word, it's embarrassing. To lose that football game, to be up that many points yeah. early in the game, and just like, you just, at halftime, you kind of felt like the momentum swing. And then he throws, you know, inside under two minutes. Thank God they got the roughing penalty. Sam Bradford throws some hurt oh. prayer that gets intercepted. And I don't know, listen, the officials were tr- totally banned in this game, but there was a play where Benny Logan was getting held 
you know, and, and Tannehill was in the end zone, which if you hold in the end zone, that is a safety that they totally missed. But that for it to come down to that, but it, it, it's just, it's just been horrible, man. It's just been so horrible and disappointing because this team, there is just no consistency. And you look at the offense, you thought this offense was going to be able to put, you know, 25 to 30, 35 points up on the board. I mean, they they can't even sniff 24 points right, right now. 19 at home to the Dolphins in a game where the division lead is basically at stake. And, and 16 of those points you had in the first, like, 20 minutes of the game. And keep in mind, listen, the Miami Dolphins, do you know what their, what their rush defense is ranked in the league? I think it was 31st. 31st. Yeah. 31st in the league. Buffalo, the week before it gashed him, how come we can't get our run game moving against them? It's just, it's just every week it's the same old crap, and I'm just tired of looking at it. This is just a horrible football team to watch. There's nothing to get excited for. And you look down future-wise, you're like, there's a lot of rebuilding here. I mean, you gotta you got to get two brand-new linemen in there. you got to address the receiver position. And above all else, the quarterback position is a huge question mark yep. for this football team move, moving forward. Do you feel? Don't you get the sense sometimes? And and I know Andy Reid, you know, obviously had his flaws because they're well documented. But sometimes I feel like it's just it's it's like an Andy Reid team. Now I don't know if that's just yeah. the NFL, and I don't know how you know fans in Detroit feel, fans in San Francisco, Indianapolis, other teams that you know fan bases that you get your you have those gut wrenching losses. But it just yeah. it just seems like Andy Reid over and over again. Every loss, I just feel like it has Andy Reid written all over it. And, and, and part of that is because they do, like, and we talked about this months ago on this podcast, Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Follow us on Twitter at Be Love Podcast. But we talked about how in the Andy Reid era, the Andy Reid regime. You know, one year it was safety, never addressed. One year it was the, the punt returner. Remember they muffed all those kicks opening week against Green Bay oh. where he had J.R. Oh, Reed back start, there and Greg Lewis. Yeah, and, Greg Lewis never caught a punt in his yeah. life. Oh, he's going to go in the NFL. Yeah. The, now, the, he's the hardest no, position in sport. No fullback, you know, for, for three years. It was just like, what? what? It always seemed like there was just this gaping, well, we'll just figure it out. Oh. Let's take the offensive line coach, make him the D coordinator. I mean, it was always something where you're trying to be smarter than everybody else, and it just backfired. And I don't, I'm not putting Chip Kelly there yet, but there have been some decisions and some personnel decisions at that in the last calendar year, or six months for that matter, that just leave you scratching your head. The defense has been, it, it, I think it's best in years. Since the no Jim question. Johnson days. Yep, no question about it. From a talent standpoint, you can get after the passer. Byron Maxwell has played much better. I don't know what the hell happened to Eric Rowe, but apparently he doesn't know how to play football. Um, you know, And the defense is still somewhat young. But at some point, two, three years from now, Fletcher Cox won't be in his prime. Connor Barwin won't be in his prime. I mean, you're getting the best of these guys right now. You've got to take advantage of that. Absolutely. And I think they're having flashbacks to the Indy Reader. It's because they just sometimes refuse to run the ball. Yes, that is it. Absolutely necessary. Like on first downs, you're like, okay, we just had a great first down, great completion. Why don't we just run the ball? Why don't we make ourselves so that we're second and four, second and six, 
you know, manageable downs as opposed to, you know, two incomplete passes in a row on first and second down. You know, now we're looking at third and nine, third and 13, third and 20, whatever. It's just so frustrating. I've always been a big believer in punching your opponent in the mouth. And I use that analogy because that's how offensive linemen feel when you establish the run tempo, when you establish the run game, because they're engaging. First steps forward, hands are on their opponent. When you're pass protecting, your first steps backwards most times. So I always have liked an offense that says, we're going to get after it. So that by the fourth quarter, the defensive line's had enough of that. I don't know what happened to the Eagles' run game as that game moved along. I think it was like 1.8 yards per carry over the last three quarters or something. I don't know if that was Indomitian Sue literally just blowing up the interior of the line every time or what, but I just feel like there could be more creativity there. You have three running backs that are maybe the most talented players on your football team offensively from a skill standpoint, you know, Zach Ertz notwithstanding. Outside at the receiver position, you don't have squat. If Jordan Matthews is your slot guy, obviously he's got tons of talent. But outside, there isn't anybody. So why are you lining up and trying to throw the ball with three and four wide receivers? Run the football. That's supposed to be Chip Kelly's MO, man. I just it's it is frustrating. It is mind boggling. And uh, and again, it's you know, uncle. I'm just I'd rather get Indian burns for like an hour, you know? Like just have somebody sitting there ripping my arm hair. Across. That's what I'd rather have. That type of torture than having the the cardiac arrest I nearly go into every Sunday with this football team. And then at the end of the day, they come up small. Come up small. Yeah, it is the same old story, man. It's just insanity watching this team. Week in, week out, commit the penalties, keep dropping the ball, committing the same stuff over and over. And like you said, with practice. How come none of this crap gets cleaned up? Yep. The handoff exchanges in the Dallas game, we weren't on the air, whatever. I've never seen a quarterback and a running back have so many problems with handing the ball off. Bradford's like running into Murray. At one point, he basically takes the ball, had it one way, and completely spins it in his hand yeah. just to make the handoff. And Sanchez, he gets in there with the Marco Murray. And Chip talks about all the time in practice, reps, reps. Yeah. We're getting all of our guys reps, reps, reps. Well, is Sanchez taking some reps for the first team? Because he should have been all season due to the fact with Sam Bradford's injury history. Yep. You know, you, you got to know that, that Sanchez is a play away of coming in for this football team at the quarterback. And just like you said, I mean, every handoff, He's tripping Murray. They're lined up the wrong way. It just—it was horrible to watch. Sanchez yeah. to me is Hollywood, man. He's Hollywood, and I guarantee you, he didn't put in the time this week. That's how it appeared. It appeared he did not put in the time. He thought he'd just go out there and do his thing, let it loose, run around, yeah. throw the ball. Yeah. I know the offense. That that doesn't cut it in the National Football League. That's why he was good at USC. And outside of an early burst with the Jets going to back-to-back title games, he hasn't done squat because he's not willing to put in the time. And that was very clear to me, very evident to me. He didn't put in the time this week, and it showed up on Sunday when he got thrust into duty and wasn't ready to execute. Okay, And then with the game on the line, he did what he always does, which is make a boneheaded decision and just chuck a ball because he wants to be the hero. Yep, and you got to go back to coaching, right? So 
you know, let's let's give a little basketball analogy because you know I love my hoop. So yeah. when it comes down to the last two minutes of a game, right, and your team is out of timeouts, okay, your team has no timeouts. Listen up, Chris Weber. If your team, yeah, if your team calls a timeout, it's a technical foul, okay. Just like Chip Kelly should have gotten Sanchez here. Listen, if nobody is open, if everybody's covered, throw the damn ball away. Don't force it. Just throw it out of bounds. Live to play another play. And it seems like nobody got that exhausted. Yep. And, and, and Miles Austin's effort, listen, I know the ball wasn't right there, but you could have made some effort to deflect the ball, to do offensive pass interference. So I would have taken offensive pass interference tonight. So what? You got it, now you move back 10 yards. But just to give no effort, oh, it's just just makes you want to just rip his head off and just throw his helmet all the way down Broad Street. So frustrating. How about if we just Goldberg spear him? We just line him up outside the link and let all the fans just take a yeah. run at him. That's it. Either that or give him a DDT. Put him to sleep. I got, two, I got two more things for you, and then I'm done, I promise. Number one, Connor Barwin is the man. If you haven't seen the piece on PhiladelphiaEagles.com called The Street Eagle, it's a two-part thing. Connor Barwin and the work he's done in the inner cities of Philadelphia, you are doing yourself a disservice. Take 10 minutes of your day, PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, I was on there just looking up stats or the schedule or something, and sure enough, saw the video at the bottom. It is unbelievable. It's yeah. called the Street Eagle. Two-part series. Watch it. Part two of my rant, and then I'm out of here. Well, I'm not leaving you, Johnny Mita, but I'm going to shut up. Is, yeah. uh, you know, I saw something on Twitter. I sent it to you. Would you trade Fletcher Cox for Colin Kaepernick right now? But hell no. Hell no. I do not want anything to do with Colin Kaepernick if it involves giving up the best defensive lineman that the Philadelphia Eagles have on their roster and probably one of the top three to five, for sure, defensive tackles in the entire National Football League for a quarterback that I also think doesn't put the work in, isn't all there mentally, might be selfish, might be a baby, might be soft. No thank you. I'll take Fletcher Cox and his work ethic and his disruption of the other team's offense every single Sunday over a bum like Kaepernick. All right? You want to give me Kaepernick for a six-round pick? I'll take a flyer on him. Fifth-round pick? Sure, do it. Fourth-round pick? Beat it. Fletcher Cox? No way in hell. So for anybody out there on Twitter thinking that that's a bright move, you need your head examined. Yeah. I'm totally on board with you. Uh, When you sent that to me, I was like, not a chance. Uh, the fact that this guy is totally blown up. Listen, he separated his locker room in San Francisco. Guys don't want to play with him. Do you really want to bring that cause to this football team? No. Not at all. And listen, the one good thing is the fact that how good Fletcher Cox is, and he's only going to get better. He's probably your best defensive player on your team. Not a chance. Like you said. You want to get him for a one-year flyer next year in free agency? Maybe take a shot. But bottom line is, the guy has regressed. Ever since Jim Harbaugh left, he seems out of sorts. He seems like a metal case. And it, nobody wants to play with him. So if you've got guys, a quarterback that's creating dissension in the locker room, and guys don't want to play hard for him, you don't want to bring that mess to your football team. Not at all. All right, I know you'll be there Sunday. The four and five Buccaneers come to town. Your thoughts on the game real quick before we get on out of here. Let's just hope the tight ends keep getting involved. Receivers are terrible, obviously. 
So what does that mean? That means you get Baron Spoles and you throw him in the slot 70% of the snaps. Take it out of the bum wide receiver's hand. Hopefully Sanchez puts the work in. Hopefully they can fix these handoff problems, which is just a joke. And the defense obviously will come to play again. And, you know, you hate to say it as much as you don't want to watch this football team, they're still in the division hunt. But uh, let's just hope there's a better performance in store this Sunday than there was the last week. Connor Barwin spies Jameis Winston, keeps him contained. Winston makes boneheaded play after boneheaded play. The Birch secondary comes up with a couple of turnovers. They make Winston's life hell, and the Eagles find a way to get it done. That's my positive take on Sunday's affair with the Buccaneers. After that, it's a short week, Thanksgiving Day, the Lions in Detroit. I will be there, and I will have a live report on SoundCloud.com. Love it. Well, that part's not true, but I'll be there for sure. Um, all right, brother. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving. I'll be out of town all next week for our peeps on SoundCloud.com. So happy holidays. Sorry for the uh, the shoddy format here, but we wanted to get back on the air after missing a week. Uh, schedules are crazy. Birds are being frustrating. So figure we put something out there for you. Appreciate everybody tuning in on SoundCloud.com. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Any final thoughts, Johnny Mita? No, man. Well said on all levels. Thanks to everybody. Keep listening. We're going to try to bring it each and every week from here on out, and uh, hopefully uh, this will improve. Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds. No more stupid penalties. No more miscues. No more turnovers. No butt fumbles, Sanchez. Get back to 5-5. and Beat the Lions. Go to 6-5 and and go from there. All right, that's going to do it. Follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.